Welcome to Freedom Matters Today. This is Michael J. Sutton, and it is October the 9th, 2023. Episode 3, Series 3, Freedom from Past and Prejudice. Today's question is, what does God want to say to us? What does God want to say to us? Last week we looked at words and we saw that words matter. What we say matters. Without words we cannot be understood and without words God is still a mystery. We learned that a wordless God is an impersonal and distant deity. How can we know God if he refuses to make himself known? And how can we know what he is like if he does not tell us? We also learned that today a God who speaks is the most dangerous, subversive, radical thing we can talk about. People don't like the idea of a God who speaks. They like the idea of an impersonal and distant deity. They like the idea of God as a mystery, as God as an elusive spirit, as God as someone who rubber stamps all our decisions. They don't like the idea that God might want to speak, that God might want to say something to us, or that God has already spoken. Because if God has spoken to us, it is important to know what he has said, and what that means for us, and for each other. But I think, in a very practical sense, the problem that people have with God today, and the problem that they have with a speaking God is that people are too busy talking themselves. They're too busy talking about other things, talking about themselves or their lives, too busy talking about the world around them. And the idea that God has something to say might interrupt their flow of thought. The idea that Christians believe in a God who speaks and who has spoken also suggests that the coveted, precious world we live and love might be challenged. Christians are tolerated as long as they sit down, shut up and do as they're told, as long as they talk about the things they're allowed to talk about, as long as they affirm the things they're allowed to affirm and denounce the things they're allowed to denounce. But the last thing the world wants is a world where Christians relay, convey, promote, proclaim the words of God. The irony of today is that while the devil questioned what God said, he did not deny that God said it. While he questioned the authenticity of God in terms of his intent and his intention for us, he did not question the authorship of God. The fact that the devil questioned the love of God and God's character did not he did not the devil did not question the existence of god or the fact that god is and the fact that god spoke in today's world 
most people are worse than the devil. They're angry that God speaks at all, that he dares to open his mouth. And they're angry that Christians bring to us the word of God. What does God want to say to us? Often in life we experience God through others. It's perfectly natural. And our experience opens or closes our hearts to God, depending on this experience. That is why it is so important to live a life that is honouring God. To live a life that is one that affirms the character and integrity of God. That our testimony in our life and what we say and what we do ought to be something that brings people closer to God, not turns them away. We may be interested in what God wants to say to us, but everything to do with God is shrouded in our experiences with others. Often those who claim to follow God and didn't, or churches where we were not welcome, or simply we did not understand. What this means, of course, is that so many people today are people who have been hurt, cast out, pushed aside, yelled at, screamed at, denounced, condemned, cast out, excommunicated, brutalized and abused by the institutional church. And while the churches say, no, 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 that never happened, no, 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 that, that's very, very much in a minority, the reality is almost everyone I meet Almost everyone I know has had a negative experience with one church or another. What a shocking, disgraceful indictment of the so-called institution that proclaims God. And many of these buildings, many of these places of worship, speak to a world that no longer exists, that no longer resonates with the values we uphold, that in many cases is an affront to the values of the people of today's world. And so, when people seek to know God, they find that they cannot see God, or they cannot know God, because the church is there, and the church traditions are there, and the church values are there, and all those negative, horrible experiences are there. Many of these experiences, mind you, happen in childhood. And often they're things or experiences that the average Christian would dismiss as trivial. But we have to understand that a lot of the things that impact us today in a profound way are things that happened to us during childhood. As psychologists have taught us that there are many events and relationships when we were very young that had a profound impact on us psychologically. And that even as adults, we live with the burdens, the travails, the tragedies, and indeed sometimes the triumphs of those experiences. And the people who don't understand that, particularly Christians, are putting stumbling blocks in the way of those who genuinely seek and genuinely want to know God. But every time they think of God, they think of the church. And instead of people saying, well, the church is not Christianity, Christians will defend the church until they're blue in the face. And when they've run out of energy, then they might think about God. In Freedom Matters today, 
we're not interested in defending the church. We're not interested in defending institutions. At Freedom Matters Today, I truly believe that we can know God, that God is knowable, that God can be known, and that God speaks to us through his word. We have a speaking God, a God who has spoken. And we can bypass the institutions entirely. We don't ever need to go to them because we can know God. And once we know God, we can understand ourselves. And once we understand ourselves, we can understand others. So what does God want to say to us? Well, Christians have a mixed record on enabling God to speak. As I said, they shroud the uh, they shroud God with all kinds of things, not only negative experiences that people have had in their past, but often churches get caught up and Christians get caught up in the various culture wars over the centuries, or it's political intrigue that distracts them and the voice of God is drowned out or silenced. What God wants to say to us is captured by our desire to speak and our desire to control others. And when people think of God, they only think of the mess Christians have made of the world. The tragedy is that God speaks through his word, and that many Christians you meet today are more interested in talking about things like politics, or sport, or the World Economic Forum, Bill Gates, George Soros, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, The Voice, the latest political controversy, the left, the right. I truly believe that many Christians have been brainwashed uh, effectively by the government and by the media, and as a result, they don't talk about God anymore. And I pray that God opens their eyes. Many Christians, however, are not, in fact, Christians. They're people who um, pay lip service to the Christian faith, but are more interested in those political things. For them, that's all that matters. Good luck to you. Your world will come to nothing. The most important thing is that God speaks. The role of the Holy Spirit is to point us to the Son of God. And it's difficult enough for the Spirit to speak in this world without Christians wanting to be silent about him. The role of the Holy Spirit is to point us to Christ. He does not celebrate himself, nor does he want us to elevate him. The joy of the Spirit is to talk about Jesus. The whole point of the Holy Spirit, really, the coming of the Spirit, was so the disciples would remember the words of Jesus, so that the early Christian communities would be sustained in their faith, that, that all Christians who gather together in the name of Jesus may enjoy the fellowship of the Spirit, that all are one, that there are no differences in the family of God's people, that there is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, rich or poor, that all have identity in Christ, that we are all together in Christ. Sadly, what the church has done over the centuries and what Christians do is to, in a sense, extinguish or smother the voice of the Spirit because 
We don't want to talk about Jesus. We want to talk about politics. Joe Biden, the culture war. Most Christians today and many Christian leaders are not interested in talking about the Son of God. They're interested in talking about something else. And so while the Spirit is continually saying to us from within, talk about the Son of God, talk about Jesus, and the Father is saying, this is my beloved Son, listen to him. We Christians go around the world and we talk about something else. The last thing we want to talk about is Jesus. I think what I was saying before is very valid. We are inundated with information, so much information. We're drowning in information. But the interesting thing about this information that we receive, that we inculcate, that we are drowning in, is that we don't remember it. We forget it. In fact, the way we are being brainwashed today is we are drowned with information that we are expected to forget. We are not expected to remember anything. Our brains are being tuned to today's wavelength, which is to forget. We are being actively, aggressively brainwashed by the government and the media to forget. COVID hysteria was only a year ago and already the media have moved in to silence us, to make us forget what happened. And writers are being employed to rewrite the last few years so our memories are completely rewritten. They are now denying everything that they did and said only a year or two ago. And the media is so insistent in these new stories and new narratives that we simply forget. But COVID hysteria is just one of many, many things that we are designed to forget or we, we are expected to forget. It is, a, in a sense, the new focus. I heard a story of a friend travelling to Australia from overseas and she had only a limited time to catch the plane. And sometimes in these airports you have to catch a little train or tram or a bus to get to the plane. And in this case she was catching the train, the little bus or train to the, to the plane, when she realised that her phone was no longer in her bag and she could see the phone on the platform as the bus was speeding towards the plane. There was no time for her to go back and get the phone and so she lost it. When she arrived in Australia, she discovered that she could not remember her husband's phone number. She could not remember the phone number of any of her friends. She was in a great deal of trouble and distress. See, this is the culture we live in. We are being inundated with information, but we are expected to forget everything. It's difficult, therefore, to hear God. And remember what God has said when everything in our world is designed to make us forget. We are being crafted, my friends, into the dumb culture. I don't believe for a moment that people are stupid or dumb. I believe people have been given the greatest gift that God could ever give, which is the brain and capacity to think and reason and ponder. And... This is 
the great gift that we have been given. But the reality is that our minds are under a great deal of pressure and a great deal of strain and a great deal of abuse. As society falls apart, the propagandists in our democratic societies are at work trying to keep our eyes away from the decay, keep our minds away from the truth, and keep our hearts away from each other. Let me say that again. What are the three goals of our world today? They want to keep our eyes away from the decay, keep our minds away from the truth, and keep our hearts away from each other. This is a deliberate strategy, because most of us live in what is left of Western democracy, where persuasion, not force, is used to keep us together, in other words, propaganda. Other societies are bound by social norms that have been enforced for generations, such as Japan or Singapore, and other, gener other societies are held together by fear. Some are held together by strong ideas of nationalism. The problem is also within God's uh, people, for what God wants to say to us is downplayed. And many say it's not important. What's important is how you live, the traditions, the way we treat each other, and here the words of God are silenced just as effectively as any secular mind program. But what God has to say to us is very simple. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in many ways, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. comes from Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. The message of God is Jesus, the Son of God. The message of God that he speaks today concerns the identity, the actions, and the words of Jesus. In that particular verse, commentators and translators disagree over a small word that changes the meaning of the sentence. Most contemporary translations in English translated it as, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, while some translated as, in these last days, he has spoken to us in his Son. In Greek, the language that the New Testament was written, the word could easily mean either by or in, and it's not a question of truth, but rather context. I would argue that the context of Hebrews suggests that it is rather in and not by, because the author to the Hebrews wants us to know who Jesus is in relation to God, rather than what Jesus said. In the letter to the Hebrews you find very few sayings of Jesus, and very few instances of what Jesus did or said. The important context of this letter is that the author wants to show the relationship between the Son and the Father. So, I argue, as do a number of translations, that the, this verse should read, In these last days he has spoken to us in his Son. 
It is also highly likely that whilst the author was writing to the letter uh, from Italy, which is quite likely where it was penned, that the Gospels we know, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and others, including the ones we have, as well as others that were no doubt written at the time, were circulating around the region in full or in part. There were many letters going around the, doing the, the circular uh, community uh, route in various cities and countries. And no one was disputing the words of Jesus, for even at that time many of the eyewitnesses were still alive. But the author of the Hebrews wants us to know who Jesus is in relation to God rather than what Jesus said. God has spoken to us in his Son. This means that Jesus, the Son of God, is the message of God. God gave his Son, says Paul so many times, and it was not only in the death of Jesus that this giving was made, but in his life and existence on earth. God gave his Son to become one of us, and in this, what Christians call the Incarnation, God's message to us is revealed. Some Protestants rush to the death of Jesus and they ignore his life. And some Catholics rush to his life and ignore his death. But in the life of anyone, how can you ignore their death? And in understanding their death, how can you ignore their life? Last week we discovered something astonishing and offensive, and that is that God has spoken. And now we discover something even more astonishing and offensive, and that is that God has spoken in his Son. And this is the only message of God. This is truly remarkably humbling, but also radical and subversive. Maybe this is why so many Christians don't talk about Jesus. They rather talk about politics. The message of the Son is the only message of God in these last days. But God speaks about his Son. Maybe looking at it this way, we can understand. There is no greater love for a child than that which comes from a parent. And there is no greater love from God than is expressed in the Son. And it is in this divine relationship that we discover the heart of God. God speaks to us in his Son. This is the Christian message. We can know God because God speaks and he spoke about his Son. And we can know the Son and in knowing the Son we can know God. What this also means is that all the other things we say God is talking about, they are our own words and not his. We are putting words into God's mouth and we really should stop it. We also need to make a decision. Do we really want to know who the Son is? Do we really want to know who Jesus is? For this is a journey of profound importance, because it will change our life. Or are we content with our own lives and living out our own desires? It seems to me that knowing God and knowing ourselves is often the last thing many people want. Our society wants us to forget, but it also wants us to hate. So many Christians today are lining up to stand with Ukraine and denounce Russia. But how many of those Christians talk about Jesus? Talk about the only message 
that God has given us. These days, it seems to be so few, because politics is all we talk about, because the last person we want to talk about is the sun. As America declines, and it is declining, it has been declining since the 70s, we are being drawn into the mayhem, the chaos, the confusion and the sin of decline, which is the refusal to accept the reality of history, that all turns to dust. The only thing that lasts is God and God's word. God is eternal and humanity is like the flower of the field. The sin of decline, and it is a terrible sin that's happening in America today, is the refusal to accept the impermanence and transitory nature of life. The Bible clearly says that uh, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The refusal for many in America to accept the realities of history and the testimony of Scripture is a terrible thing. And those who follow Jesus, and there are many in America and in Russia and in Australia, we are being asked to lay aside our faith in Jesus and join the fight. To fight against cultural Marxism, which doesn't exist. To fight the war against the church, for which we are to blame. To fight against the left, which is a lie of Satan. Are you prepared to stand with America or stand with Jesus? Are you prepared to stand with Australia or stand with Jesus? Are you prepared to stand with whatever country you come from or with Jesus? Make a choice. Because we need to make this choice. For in this choice you either stand with God or against him. If America was even remotely Christian, they would have a different mantra. I believe that if other countries were as audacious and presumptuous as they are in America. They would have a different mantra, a different prayer, as many of them do have strong Christian traditions. I believe most countries in the world, if they did include religion as much as they do in America and their politics, they would say this, God have mercy. God have mercy. God have mercy. That's what most countries would say. But we don't hear that from America. All we hear is, God bless America. God bless America. God bless America. Very, very dangerous. We hear God saying loud and clear something quite different. I have spoken through my son. Listen to him. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors in many ways, and various ways, through the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken in his Son. God speaks. God has spoken. God's message is about Jesus from the beginning until the end. Remember, freedom matters today because you matter to God. <laughs>